This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Aaron Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? <laughs> As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. Hey everyone, here's what's happening with the Right from the Deep team. <laughs> you might notice I'm doing this alone today. <laughs> what's happening is that Karen has been called away suddenly for a family situation. It's taken her out of town, so here I am. Now she'll be with us for the interview that we're doing after this for the show, so yay for that. So what I want to say is thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. We really appreciate you. And special thank you to our December Sponsor of the Month. Yay, Wendy L. McDonald. Not only is Wendy a writer, but I love this. She's a podcaster, too. She produces a weekly short inspirational podcast called Walking with Hope. And that's for HopeStreamRadio.com if you want to check that out. H-O-P-E-S-T-R-E-A-M. R-A-D-I-O.com, Hopestream Radio. And now, here's the show. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to The Deep. And we're welcoming a guest today, too. Yay! Yay. We have Elizabeth Ludwig here with us, and Karen's going to introduce her. So we've been enjoying getting to know Elizabeth a little bit better um, before the show, just talking and sharing things. And Elizabeth is a USA Today bestselling author. Her work has been featured in all kinds of places. She's won several awards for it. She also goes to workshops and writers' conferences and teaches on editing and writing and all kinds of wonderful things. But other than writing, her two true loves, we found out, are downhill skiing and her four mini dachshunds, which I think is wonderful. <laughs> you guys know how I feel about dogs. So Elizabeth, we are just delighted to have you here with us today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you both so much for having me. Thank you for being here, Elizabeth. So let's begin. Let's go to the first question that we always love to ask. So what does the deep mean to you? If you had asked me that question when I was 20 years old, and I'm quite beyond the 20 years old, I'm not going to tell you how, how <laughs> far beyond, but beyond... Uh, I think the answer would have been very different. Now, for me, the deep is um, being able to, to it's that communion with the Lord and being able to translate that into my writing. It was hard for me to do that at the beginning. It was a scary thing to be able to share my deepest, darkest moments. And not all of them are pretty, let me just yeah. say. Yeah. And to be able to be open enough and vulnerable enough to share that with anyone, much less everyone. And so for me, the deep is that place of um, honesty and humbleness and vulnerability um, and being able to share that with people. Yeah, you had said during our conversation earlier that the hardest stories to share are exactly what someone needs to hear. But when you put those on the page, when you write about them in a book, basically you're inviting people into your pain. And that's a really risky thing, especially if readers don't react the way that you think right. they will. Right. I, I, my prayer often is, Lord, give me the skill to be able to 
adequately express what is in my heart. Sometimes the things that I want to say and that the way they sound in my head, um, I, I struggle to get that down in paper. And I think that part of that is because there's even, even when I'm open to the Lord and, and mm-hmm. asking him to use me, I still hold back. I still hold back that the, the hardest parts. And so what comes out on the paper is not 100% honest because mm-hmm. I haven't been 100% honest. It's really hard to do that. They say that the number one fear that people have in life, aside from death, the number one fear is public speaking. And uh, writing is right next to that, because when you do public speaking, sometimes they record it, but it doesn't stick around for a long time. When you write a book, it's all there on the page, and that book is out there for a long time, a lot longer than the record of what you do in public speaking. Yeah, That's right. You know, this is going to sound strange, but... Public public speaking is easier for me than than writing. And the reason for that, I have to credit, um, Barbara Burmeister was my drama coach and speech teacher in high school. And um, she, oh, she used to push me. And every time I saw her coming down the hallway, I would try and duck into a room or hide in the locker. (laughs) Because I knew she was because she had signed me up for something else, some other speaking engagement. And as much as I hated it, when I took on this role of author and speaker, I thought back to all of those times that she was pushing, pushing, pushing and encouraging me to to step out of my comfort zone. And I had the opportunity to visit with her uh, about three or four years ago. She was well into her 80s. She was suffering from some you know, so the onset of um, dementia and some other things. But when I walked into her house, I knocked on her door and uh, I brought her one of my books. And when she opened the door, I wasn't sure she would remember me. And that was my first thing is, uh, oh, hi, Mrs. B. I, I'm not sure if you remember. And she goes, Lisa Gracia. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, my goodness, we, we, we talked and we laughed and I thanked her the influence that she'd had. And it was just a wonderful, special time. So she's pushing you out of your comfort zone. <laughs> and she still is. Let me just tell you. <laughs> it's too funny. I had this image in my mind that that's what we do as writers sometimes when God's coming down the hallway and we know that he's going to ask something else of us and we're trying to duck into any door, or any room to avoid having to encounter him and say yes. <laughs> that literally happened to me with, uh, I wrote uh, the Edge of Freedom series for Bethany House several years back. And uh, originally that was a two book, I had proposed a two book series and they came back and asked me for a third book in that series. And of course I said yes before I even knew what the story was going to be about. <laughs> and uh, as I got well, well into the writing of the second book, the Lord started whispering to me what the third one was going to be about. And uh, there was a minor character in book one named Tilly who had lost a child. And um, the Lord kept saying, this is her story. And I kept saying, I don't want to write about Tilly. And uh, (laughs) he kept saying, this book is about Tilly. And the reason I didn't want to write about Tilly is because my husband and I had lost a child. Mm. And I knew that writing the emotions that come with Mm. that were going, it was going to be very painful. It was going to involve uh, reliving some of the heartache of that. And I just didn't want to do that, but I'm glad I did because of the three books that is by far my favorite. 
<laughs> the most painful is what needs to be told. I love <laughs> that. That needs to be the theme here of your life, of your writing, right? because right. that's come up a couple of times now when we've been talking. Talk to us a little bit about some of your recent experiences with with spiritual and physical attack as you've been writing hard stories and having difficult things happen to you. Yes. Well, um, the most recent things, you know, we've had some emotional and spiritual things. I call them, you know, hurdles, things that you just have to overcome. Um, and, And I've always kind of, I'm the kind of person that always tackle things, tackles things head on. And, you know, take the bull by the horns kind of gal. Well, this most recent thing was a physical attack. And it really, I ended up in the hospital for five days. Um, This was in early October, uh, excuse me, early August. I had a book that was due at the end of August. Oh, no. And and it was, that was a different kind of battle for me because up until that point, it was just power through whatever you have to do to get the book, to do what you've got to get done, just power through it. And this was one time where I really couldn't do that. Mm. And physically, I just was not able to. And I, I contacted my editor in tears because I've never, ever missed a deadline. Mm. And at that point, I just did not see how I was going to be able to make that deadline. And so I reached out to my Facebook friends, you know, all of my <laughs> close friends on Facebook, <laughs> and said, uh, y'all, please be praying for me. This is what's going on. And I had so many people respond and not only respond and say, oh, I'm so sorry, but so many people responded privately to say, I am praying for you. And so um, I acknowledge that in when I turned in the book, which I did turn in on time, um, it required a lot of editing. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of editing that had to go into that because I couldn't give it the time and the attention that I like to give most of my books. Um, but it still got turned in on time. And I know that that was because of the the faithfulness of the people who said they were going to be praying for me and did. Mm. And diverticulitis um, ended up in that book, right? It did. What's funny is <laughs> originally in the outline, there is a character who is having some heart issues. And as I got to that point in the story, I'm like, nope, buddy, you got diverticulitis. <laughs> need to know how serious (laughs) but you know i've I've heard of it my mother has diverticulitis my mother is okay y'all my i I have a hispanic mom she is you know anybody (laughs) anybody who has a hispanic you you feel me if you have a hispanic mother you know what i'm about to say (laughs) my mom she's so funny and i love her to death she's my she is my my cheerleader uh, she's just my my best friend and she um she has had suffered with diverticulitis for many years and she called me in the hospital and she says she says to me i've had diverticulitis forever you get it one time and you're busted (laughs) (laughs) well it's not the same thing (laughs) i guess that's where i get my just power through attitude (laughs) (laughs) anyway so it was a challenge getting that book the title of that book is called the bitter brew which has been so fitting because on top of um, my physical the physical attacks that were happening in the writing of that book um, shortly thereafter came some emotional and spiritual attacks and um can I tell you about those a little bit yes please do my 
we live in on the Gulf Coast, uh-huh. and um, we are very familiar with hurricanes and tropical storms. But Tropical Storm Imelda kind of snuck up on us. We weren't expecting the amount of rain that we got over 40 inches in a 24-hour period. Oh and um, about uh, right around midnight, uh, my daughter called and said, Mom, we're on our way over. The house is flooding. Mm. And so I said, okay, well, I'll I'll make breakfast. So they got to the house <laughs> about three or four in the morning. We were making breakfast and the phone rang again. And it was my son. And he said, mom, be praying for us. We're on the way to the hospital. Mandy is losing the twins. Mm-hmm. At that time, she was pregnant with twins. But I have to tell you that um, the same day that she went into the doctor, and found out that she was carrying twins uh, in the same visit, she was also told that the twins did not have a heartbeat, <sighs> which was so, you know, what's funny is, of course, we knew she was pregnant. But when we found out that she was having twins, all of a sudden, I wanted them so much more. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, she decided to carried the twins for a month after she found out that they were gone. And the reason for that was because we were praying and asking that the Lord would, that she would deliver them naturally and not have to face the excruciating choice of whether or not to have them surgically removed. Right. So on the night that Ben called, she had begun to miscarry them. Mm. But I have to tell you that even that night, uh, my broken prayer to the Lord was just why. Both of my children yeah. are suffering. Why? And, you know, of course, every every parent says, you know, their kids are, are perfect. And mine are <laughs> by no means perfect. But they are. I'm so blessed to know that both of my children are faithful to the Lord. And so I, it was hard. It was, I questioned why they were suffering so much. Well, since then, and this is the goodness of the Lord. uh, My daughter and her husband moved back into their house. Just days after the storm, our church family came together and helped tear out all the drywall and all of the tear out the house and dry it out. And then we had, she came back in and, and cleaned and painted and did a lot of the things herself. And when the insurance adjuster came, he was so good and so generous. And so we are so thankful that because they were able to save some money and that, and because the church family and several of the men came out to help with that and those expenses, of course, they, they were all volunteers. They were able to get back into their house very quickly mm-hmm. and pay off some of the things that we just never thought that would yeah. a blessing, such a blessing. And then my son and his wife, uh, she called, they called last night and it was almost with, I have to admit, it's a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. I know that they're still trying for children. I want them to have more children, but there's that fear because this is her second miscarriage. And so when they called, I was kind of holding my breath. And, and I almost expecting that that was what they were going to tell me. And instead, my son said, 
mom, I've been offered a position as a pastor in our local church. And I thought, what better couple to minister to to other couples Mm -hmm. than these two who have been through so much. So God is so good and he's so faithful. We don't always get to see it in our timing, but he's so good. Very true. So talk to us a little bit. Um, You said that writing is a healing process for you, that um, it's something that that almost serves as a catharsis. So talk a little bit about that. Oh, it sure does. You know, in the midst of all of these trials, it was such a, it was like almost a reprieve for me to be able to escape into this world. I write for, for guideposts and right. um, guideposts has a very um, a particular audience. They're, it's a, they're very gentle stories. Mm-hmm. They're very sweet stories. It's kind of, I always tell people when they ask me, what is it? I always refer to like a, um, Angela Lansbury's kind of murder she wrote. Oh, murder she wrote, yes. right. I love always, that show. <laughs> you know, everything always turns out right in the end. It's so um, campy now, but I love it. I know it. I know it. I know it. And it, it truly, it was such a reprieve for me to be able to escape into this world where mm-hmm. everything is good and right and and everything always just works out in the end. And uh, so, so, um, for me, writing is sometimes it's a healing thing. I, I, especially even when there's things I don't particularly want to write about, by the time when the Lord lays it on my heart and by the time it's on the page, I understand why He asked it. It's because I need it's something that I needed to deal with. Right, right. Let's, let's, I I love your story, Elizabeth, and I want to wind back time just a little bit now um, and go back to something we've been talking about as you were a newer writer and you had these challenges and, and things that were going on and you felt that God was giving you this task of writing and yet you had challenges. Talk a little bit about, about what happened and why, why you're still a writer. Well, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I was such a, so naive and just thinking that when I sent out my first manuscript, that it was going to be acclaimed the world over and (laughs) everyone was just going to receive it with, you know, glad tidings. Well, obviously that didn't happen. I started, (laughs) I started writing. The first thing I, I ever wrote was, um, really, it was just a commentary of the day's following the death of our son, I, it was, there were some things that I just could not, I couldn't express or put into words. And so I started scribbling them onto a page that was many, many years ago. Um, and I found those after we moved to Texas, after we found out that my husband was losing his job, um, he had, he went to work one day, this was in early December and was told that as of January 1st, he was not going to, the plant was closing and he was no longer going to have a position, but they were offering transfers to anybody who wanted to stay with the company. And one of the places that was available for transfer was Texas, where my mother is originally from the Rio Grande Valley area. 
And so we have some family who lives there. My father's grandmother, my, my grandmother and her, my aunts all lived in Houston at the time. And so we, we were looking at Texas as a place because we had some, some family um, living here. But it was very hard being 1,200 miles away from family. And so I started writing. And I started earnestly seeking publication right around, it was about 2000 or 2001. And I had heard through a friend um, about ACFW. And I learned that they were having a Christian Writers Conference in Houston, which was just a couple hours from where I lived. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go. And my husband, who's always been so supportive, you know, he encouraged me to go. And while we were there, um, we were given a verse. I was given a verse, um, and it's from Habakkuk. It's chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And I know it's familiar to a lot of writers, um, but to me, it really spoke to my heart. It's write the vision and make it plain on tablets so that he who runs may see it. Um, though the vision tarries, wait for it. It is yet for an appointed time. And I knew that that was the Lord saying to me, you need to write these things down, these these visions that are in your head, write them down. And I, I will say that that vision, though the Lord gave me a vision, it did tarry almost for seven years before I sold my first book. And it was during those I call those my desert years. It was during those times that I struggled so much with whether or not I truly had heard the Lord's call. Mm. And one day my husband, um, it, for Christmas, my husband, uh, we were opening Christmas gifts and my husband had given me a computer and it, I mean, it was all set up laptop with internet and all this. Wow. Stuff. <laughs> I said to him, what, why would you do this? You know, at this time we, we, our finances were not and we could not afford that right. kind of gift. And I said, Lee, why would you, why would you do this? And he said, because when you sell your first book, you're going to need it. Wow. And I, I said, you really think I'm going to sell my first book? He says, well, baby, let me put it this way. You're too stubborn to give up. <laughs> <laughs> I go back to those verses often, especially when there's um, difficulty when a book is not received as well as maybe I hoped it would be, or when I am facing a physical or spiritual challenge, I go back to those verses and I remind myself of why I felt like the Lord had put it on my heart to begin with to write for Him. Mm-hmm. And when I get away from that, when I get to where I'm writing for myself, or when I'm writing for the sales numbers, or when I'm writing for the editors, when I get away from the from the original message of the Lord, which was to write a vision so that people would see Him, yeah. that's when writing is hard. Yeah, but the Lord has a way of bringing us to a humble place where we are forced to depend on Him. Right. Sometimes it's in the hospital with an acute attack of hepatitis, <laughs> or sometimes it's just the broken place when you're comforting your children. Yeah, but he's always faithful. Hmm. 
Elizabeth, I, I just can't thank you enough for being here with us and sharing your heart and your experiences today. I, you've moved me to tears several times, and that doesn't happen all that often. So thank you so much for being transparent and honest. And my prayer is that we will all come to that place where we remember that our focus needs to be on the one who gave us this task and on writing what he gives us to write. Um, may he draw us into whatever we need to experience to be focused on him. And may we feel the same joy that you have felt when he proves his faithfulness over and over and over again. Oh God's best Amen. blessings for you, my friend. And, and, um, I'm sure that we'll have you on again because you have a wealth of wisdom to share. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you both so much for having me. Thank you so much. And to your listeners, I, I pray that, that my story blesses you a little bit. Yes, Amen. thank you. Amen. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, rightfromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. So, until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Amen.